Now, you may wonder, man, Brother Bill don't ever breathe, man. He just keeps on talking. Amen. But uh, they did teach us, even though it didn't stick, they taught us how to breathe. And one of the ways they taught us how to breathe is they taught us this uh, British nursery rhyme that you've probably heard or your grandma's heard anyway. And it's encouraging us to learn how to breathe. Now, I'm going to need your help, and I'll tell you when I need your help, okay? But here's how it begins. This is the house that Jack built. Say that. All right, now when I point to you, that's what I want you to say. What are you going to say? All right, here we go. This is the malt that laid in the house. This is the rat that ate the malt that laid in the house. This is the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that This is the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that laid this is the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that laid in the house that... <laughs> this is the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that... <laughs> this is the man with the tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with the crumpled horn that killed the rat... I'm sorry, that... Tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that. This is the preacher all shaven and shorn that married the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that chased the worried the cat that chased the rat that ate the malt that laid. Told you it didn't stick very good. This is the rooster that crowed in the morn that woke the preacher all shaven and shorn that married the man with tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that... This is the farmer sowing his corn that kept the rooster that crowed in the morn that woke the preacher all shaven and shorn that married the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn, that milked the cow with the crumpled horn, that tossed the dog, that worried the cat, that ate the rat, that ate the malt, that... Last one, I promise. <laughs> this is the horse and the hound and the horn that belonged to the farmer sowing his corn, that kept the rooster that crowed in the morn, that woke the preacher all shaven and shorn, that married the man that was tattered and torn, that kissed the maiden all forlorn, that milked the cow with the crumpled horn, that tossed the dog, that worried the cat, that chased the rat, that ate the malt, that... <laughs> now I'm breathing, right? It's supposed to build your lung capacity. But you know what? As I was thinking about that, uh, the moral to that nursery rhyme is that there are many people in our lives, there are many events in our lives, there are many things that go into building a successful life. Uh, that is why it's so important for us to learn to build our lives on the sound foundation of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, why it's so doggone important for us to teach our children to build their lives on the right foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, I love Dr. Seuss. And I love the lessons that his stories teach our children. They are awesome stories for the most part. And I once told this one story that has a lot to teach not only kids, but has a lot to teach us as adults as well. And it tells about the character name 
Zod. And this character, Zod, describes many of us in our decision to walk with Jesus Christ. Here's how it goes. Did I ever tell you about the young Zod who came to a sign at the fork of the road? He looked one way and the other way too, and the Zod had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants. And he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, it may be too hot. So how will I know if I'll like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'd feel such a fool if I go to place two and find it too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So place one may be best and not place two. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, went no place at all with a split in his pants. <laughs> the Zode played it safe. He wouldn't make a choice of whether to follow the right way or not. And you know where he ended up going? Nowhere. So many Christians place their faith in Jesus Christ. They get their get out of hell free card. They come to worship at the church every now and then. But they never build the kind of life that honors the one who died for them. May I ask you a question this morning? Are you committed to building the kind of life that honors your Jesus? Are you committed to living the kind of life that teaches your kids and your grandkids to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That's me. That's, that's John. Turn your mic off. Sure. Probably how then. Before before we find out what the components and the tools are um, to to build this kind of life in Christ, what you first need to know is the resources that are available to you. We also need to know. Uh, the reasons why you would want to build this kind of life in the first place. So if you would, uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. That's on page 1079 in the Bibles in front of you. That's 1079, 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's find out what the Apostle Peter said about building this kind of life on Christ. Beginning in verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 1. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to both life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine 
nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But for this very reason, giving all diligence, that means through hard work, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge self-control, add to your uh, self-control perseverance, add to your perseverance godliness, add to your godliness brotherly kindness, and add to your brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound in you, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What are the resources that you and I have to build our lives on Christ? Well, before I tell you, um, whenever you get a new tool, a new appliance, or even a new toy, uh, there's one item that you will likely find in the box. Anybody know what that is? Instructions or a manual. Amen? And a manual will instruct you as to what pieces you'll find in the box. A manual will tell you how to put it together. And a manual will also tell you how to operate it once it's complete. Now, most men don't need manuals. Okay? We don't need manuals because we have all we need to know by looking at the picture on the front of the box. Amen? So what we do is we assemble whatever it is until we feel like it's finished, and then we get the manual to figure out what we're going to do with the extra pieces. Of course, we know that there shouldn't be any extra pieces. Of course, we then search the manual, and we find some very important steps that would have been helpful about an hour ago. Amen? And we break it all down, and we start all over again using the manual, Greg. I see, you, I see Kenzie looking at you. Using the manual, Greg. All right? Uh, which would have saved us tremendous headaches if we would have just looked at it in the first place. You see, that's why the manual's there. The manual is there to prevent headaches. Headaches. But a lot of times, if you're anything like your pastor, we got to do it our own way first. Amen? Uh, terrible. But anyway, to build our lives on Christ, you may find that you need to go back to the manual. You may find that there are some things in your life that you need to break down and rebuild according to the manual. You may find that uh, there is some wrong thinking, some thinking that's inconsistent with the manual. You may find that you just need to start all over again. Amen? Using the manual. And I praise the Lord today that God allows startovers. Amen? He allows startovers. And uh, He even desires that we start over when we are led to do so. So today, God's manual, amen, gives us three awesome tools that will help us to build this life on Christ. The first being, you need to realize 
that we all have the same privileges as every other Christian. There in verse 1, Peter said, To those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. So we have the same privileges. Regardless of whether you're young or old, whether you're a hot chick or a cool dude, whether you're short or tall, purple or green, rich or poor, smart or dumb, whether you're an apostle or a servant, whether you're outgoing or shy, a leader or a follower, whether you're Billy Graham or a brand new convert, we all say all, we all are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of us. And all who are saved by grace through Jesus Christ enjoy equal acceptance by Him and an equal standing before Him. You ain't no different than me, and I ain't no different than you. We all enjoy equal acceptance and an equal standing with God. And we're not accepted by God because of what we have done. No, we can't stand before God because of what we've done. We're only accepted. And we can only stand before him by faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here's how he said it to another church. I just said it to Bethel, but here's how Paul said it to the church at Galatia. He said it this way. He said, whoop. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, he said, For you are all sons and daughters. Amen. All sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are all Abraham's seed and heirs. That's good news right there, amen. Heirs according to the promise, the promise of God. You see, through the power of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us, every Christian, has access to the same tools for life and the same privileges in this life. The problem is this. The problem is this. Many Christians are satisfied with having the Spirit of God in them, but not having the Spirit of God fill them. Do you know the difference? Shake your head if you know the difference. What's the difference between having the Holy Spirit of God in you and having the Spirit of God fill you? Anybody know? I got one word for you. Fruit. Amen? The example you lead, the life you live. When you're filled with the Spirit, people see Jesus in you. When you're filled with the Spirit, people see God in you. They see the, the life of Jesus being manifest through your life. And so it's important that we not only be having the Spirit of God in us, but filling us. We all have access to the same tools, to the same privileges, but we all don't use those tools. Many of us don't take advantage of those privileges to build a solid life on Jesus. But not only do we have the same privileges to build our life on Christ, we also find that we have divine power. For godly living. Look at verse 3. As his divine power has given us all things. How many things? Oh. All things. Everything you need. 
that pertain to both life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Does anybody know what a duh statement is? I didn't think so. A duh statement is where you always reply with the same thing. Uh, duh. I want to give you a duh statement, okay? The power to live a godly life comes from God. And you say, duh. See, we don't have the resources within ourselves to do what God's called us to do. We need him, and it comes from him. And the Bible says that his divine power has been given to us, given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He's given us everything we need. Will you just allow it to be in you, or will you allow it to fill you? See, just as his power saves us in the first place, it's his power that also energizes us to build our lives on Christ. But the order is clear. The order is clear. Life first, then godliness. For some reason, many people think they've got to be godly before they can have eternal life. And so they strive to try to get their life together before they come to Christ. That's not the way it works. You come and you receive the life, and then Jesus will make you godly, praise God. Amen? So there is different, but the order is clear. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is the power of God that saves us from the penalty of sin and also the power of sin, but it is also the gospel that saves us from death, eternal death. But how in the world can I live that kind of life now? Where can I get the power to live the kind of holy life that God wants me to live? Verse 3 says it. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Simply saying this. The more intimately you know Jesus in your life, the more you're going to become like Jesus in your life. The more you know Jesus in your life, the more you're going to become like him. And so to build our lives on Christ, we need to recognize we all got the same privileges. You ain't got no more than me. I got no more than you, right? But we also have the same divine power to live this kind of godly life. But we also have this, great and precious promises. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these... You may be partakers of the divine nature. Now, I don't know what all it means to be a partaker of the divine nature, but I want me some. Amen? Amen? So, do you want to be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is through the world through lust? So, to help us become like Christ, like Jesus, to help us share in that divine, godly nature, to help us build our lives on Christ, God has granted us many great, precious, and magnificent promises. In fact, did you know that the Bible is said to contain some 30,000 promises? 30,000. In fact, John Bunyan once said that the pathway to successful Christianity is spread so thickly with the promises of God, it's impossible to take one step without treading on one of them. Amen? 
If you're walking the Christian life, you're going to walk on one of his promises at some point or another. So what promises? What promises has God given me to help me build my life on Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to share a few with you. Amen? First of all, you're promised that you are no longer a slave to sin. The Bible says, sin shall not be master over you. You are not under the law. You're now under grace. Number two, you are promised power when you're weak. Amen. We've all experienced times when we're weak. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to this. My power is perfected in weakness. When you're weak, then I am strong. Number three, you're also promised the power to obey God's commandments. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. How many things? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Number four, you're promised victory over the devil. Did you know that the half-brother of the Lord Jesus wrote this? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? You can have victory over the devil, but you're also promised a way to escape temptations. I love how the New Living Translation put 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It said, remember that the temptations in your life are no different than what other people experience. God is faithful. He will keep temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand against it. So when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you won't give in to it. What a promise. But we're also given the promise that we will receive forgiveness when we mess up. Amen. How many of you messed up last week? You better get that hand up. Amen. We all have messed up. Amen. The promise of God is, is that we have forgiveness when we mess up. John said that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. But not only would he forgive, he'd also forget, praise God. Listen to what he told Jeremiah. He said, this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel, that after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. And here we go. And I, their sin I will remember no more. Praise God. Not only does he forgive it, but according to his own divine will, he forgets it as well. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But finally, God's also promised that when you call, he's going to respond. When you call, he's going to respond. The Bible says that if you'll call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Praise the Lord from the Psalms 50. See, Jesus has promised more that we think about him, the more we're going to become like him. The more you accept his promises and stand on the promises of God, the more you're going to become like Jesus Christ. The more you surrender your life, the more you yield your will to his will, the more you submit your desires to his guidance, the more the Holy Spirit's going to change you. The more the Holy Spirit's going to transform you from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory until you get to heaven and you're going to be all filled with glory. Amen? Praise the Lord. We all have access to the resources. We have access to all these tools that we build our lives on Christ with. My question is this. You going to man up? You going to woman up? And build your life on Christ?
You might say, well, Bill, why should I? Why should I build my life on Christ? Well, that same passage gives us several reasons why you should. Several reasons why we should build our life on Christ. Look there in verse 8. For these things are yours and abound. If you, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I read a story about a passion play. Everybody know what a passion play is? It's a recreation of the resurrection story, the Passion Week. Well, years ago at this church, there was a passion play going on, and uh, there was an actor playing Jesus who was carrying the cross right up the middle aisle. And a man in the audience started heckling and shouting insults at this man who was acting playing Jesus. Well, when Jesus could stand it no more, he dropped his cross, he went over to that man, and he popped him right in the nose. Well, the director was horrified. He went over and pulled the actor aside, and he told him, he said, man, under no circumstances can you ever do that again. Well, the next night, you can believe what happened. Same heckler. Same heckler went back, and Jesus had to be restrained from really putting a whooping on this guy. Well, the director called him in again and said, listen, you're either going to have to keep your composure, or we're going to have to find us a new Jesus. Well, third night came, and the heckler was back. And he insulted Jesus even worse than he had before. And that man playing Jesus, he gently laid down his cross and he went over to that man, that heckler, and he threw his gritted teeth and said, I'll see you after the resurrection. <laughs> now that's funny and all, but check this out. Perhaps the greatest reason that you ought to be building your life on Christ is because immediately following your, your resurrection... You know who you're going to see? Immediately following the end of days on earth, you know who you're going to see? I hope you know who you're going to see. And when you see him, you're going to either call him Lord on your knees or you're going to call him Judge on your knees. Which will it be for you? But there are other reasons why you should build your life on Christ. You see, as a Christian, you're either growing or dying. You're either advancing or declining. There is no standing still in the Christian life. So why should we be so focused on building our life on Christ? Well, this passage just spells it out for us. In verse 8, he first says to avoid barrenness. In verse 8, for these things are yours and abound, and you will neither be barren. Barren means uh, that you ain't got no life with Christ. You don't have any life in God. And only the life in fellowship with God is the life that's going to be truly effective. See, without Christ, you may be living, but friend, you're dying. You may be existing, but you're not producing any fruit. But he also says that you ought to, that you will be uh, preventing unfruitfulness if you're focused on building this life there in verse 8. For these things are yours and abound. You'll neither be barren nor unfruitful. 
in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's really possible to know a whole lot about Jesus and be totally unfruitful. We talked about faith a couple of weeks ago. It's very possible to speak a, a big word, to think a big word, to feel a lot of faith, and do nothing, and thereby show and reveal no faith. Jesus gives us the desire to use what you learn, to use what you know. But he also says that when you're focused on building the life of Christ, you'll be eliminating short-sightedness. Look at verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. What does short-sighted mean? Well, some Christians have impaired vision. They have impaired vision. They're so busy focusing on material things, so busy focusing on earthly things, that they don't think about the weightier, more important earth, eternal matters. They neglect things that will last into eternity. They're short-sighted. But when you're focused on building a life on Christ you'll find that you will also remove blindness. Back in verse 9, uh, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. Can I just tell you that if you lack daily fellowship with God, you are blind. You are blind to all that God wanted to do through your life that day. If you're out of fellowship, you are neglecting the great things that God wanted to teach you that day. And you'll find that you will be completely oblivious of what or who is most important. You've got to have that daily fellowship with God. But why should you be focused on building your life on Christ? Also to reduce forgetfulness. Last one, verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You see, the believer that does not build his life on Christ quickly forgets that he was cleansed of that old way of living. That's not who you are anymore. You are cleansed from that. That was wiped away. Don't return back to the vomit. Amen? The truth is, that person's saved, but that, being, that idea of being saved has lost its grip on him. He's going backwards. He's going back to what he was rescued from. He's once again toying with sins that caused the death of God's son. So what do you do? Well, you take hold of all these resources at your disposal. You understand these reasons made clear for why you should build your life on Christ. And then you realize that it all begins with faith. Look again in verse 5. He says, but for this very reason, giving all diligence, add. Say add. Yeah. Add to your faith virtue. Add. Say add. Yeah. Add to virtue knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. But it all begins with faith. It all begins with faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't have faith, you got no privileges, you got no power, and you got no promises. Friends, this is so important for us to build a solid foundation in our life. But listen, just as important, it's important that we build the life of our children 
on this same solid foundation. And if you don't, they're going to be on a slippery slope. They'll be like playing in the sand, sinking in the sand. Now last week, Jesus reminded us that in order to build a legacy of faith, a solid foundation of faith in the next generation, there's some things we've got to do today. He said, change and become like children. He said, be humble as children. He said, connect with children. He said, be a good example for children. And he said, in essence, you need to make children your priority. That's the only way we're going to make a difference in the next generation. Matthew 18, 5, Jesus said, Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So today, our decision time is not only for you who have not yet placed their faith in Christ. It is not only for you who are ready to begin building their life on Christ. It is also for those who have readily seen the necessity to build the lives of these children on Christ. And it, this is the second day, the second Sunday uh, in our sign-up for CIA commitment. Uh, it's going to start September the 4th. And if you've already signed, no need to sign again. If you'd like to sign up today, I encourage you to do so. But uh, we need not neglect the foundation we are laying in the lives of our children. Agreed? Agreed? Say amen if you agree. Amen. Well, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this decision time. Father, all this really is is an opportunity for us to respond to what you've said to us. Lord, undoubtedly in a room filled with this many people, 